My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. What matters to you? What matters to you is a brilliant global movement whereby healthcare professionals ask patients what matters to them in terms of personalising healthcare. In the last episode of Wildcard Whose Shoes, I chatted with Fabob's Alison Wright about personalising maternity care. Take a listen. I think personalised care means different things to different people. So for the NHS long-term plan, personalised care is included as one of the five major projects that the NHS wants to provide for patients. Uh, I think for us in maternity care, it means that we bring together the clinician's expertise and the patient's expertise. In other words, that we, we try and combine looking at and listening to what matters for that particular woman, as well as giving our professional expertise. Because I think historically, we've not always been good at doing that. The What Matters to You movement is about listening and hopefully understanding what matters to the patient in the larger context of their life. This will vary greatly between individuals. People's priorities are so different. Their circumstances, their values, their attitudes are unique. What matters to them will all be different. It's brilliant that this is being recognised now increasingly as being really important in healthcare, rather than people just being seen as medical problems to fix in a one-size-fits-all type approach. So this Thursday, 9th of June, was World What Matters to You Day. It seems there's a special day for everything these days. I'm actually thinking of having a global Who's Shoes Day. What do you think? So I have big plans to do something a bit more sophisticated for this podcast, but I've just been too busy. And the things I've been busy with are important things, things that matter to me. And hopefully some of them are things that make a difference to other people too. So then I ask myself, what am I beating myself up for? Sometimes we can try and do too much, and it's important to look after ourselves too. Now, typically, when I'm talking with a guest on the Wildcard Hooshes podcast series, I start by introducing the guest and asking them what matters to them. It's a great question to open up the conversation and let the person I'm talking to chat about the things that are important to them, whether that's in their work life or their personal life, and just let the conversation flow from there. I've never wanted them to be interviews with any preset questions, just a way of exploring different topics with people, people who are passionate about making positive change. And of course, it's always lovely to get feedback on the podcast and to hear what you're enjoying and whether it's working for you. So please remember to put a comment or to review the podcast on your favourite platform, whatever works for you again. So I'm hoping one day to have a bit more time to pick out some of the common themes and lemon light bulbs that are starting to come through in the podcast series. Things like people using healthcare services, saying how much it matters to them to be listened to, 
to be trusted, to be seen as an expert in their own body and what's happening, having their feelings and experiences taken seriously. I'd like to pick out those kind of themes and then pull out clips from different podcasts showing the similarities in the so-called little things that really matter to people. I think this will be fascinating. For example, perhaps an episode on being believed. I remember I used some clips from my podcast episode with Rachel Jury, episode 17, in a session for NHS England, where James Mountford asked me to join him in getting people to think about what it really means for healthcare professionals to try and walk in people's shoes, should they even be trying to do that. So here are the clips from Rachel that I used, exploring what it was like not to be believed and how that had such a long-lasting effect on her. Honestly, I hardly had to say anything because suddenly people just got it and it was so incredibly powerful. Because apparently eurostomies are for... For older men that have had bladder cancer, actually they're not. There's so many reasons that people can have their bladder removed or their bladder will stay in place and they have a urostomy or any urinary diversion, you know, and it's just, oh, because it's not still in this day and age, you'd think it would change now, but just because you don't fit into a box, it's then, oh, we don't believe you, you know, and, and it's, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a nice experience. I think also throughout my experience, how that impacted me is I, when I go into hospital, I think people aren't going to believe me. And yes, when I first became ill and the organs were failing, it took a long time to get a diagnosis. And I eventually got a diagnosis of autonomic neuropathy. And during that time, people didn't believe me. They didn't know why things were failing for me. And that has impacted me throughout my whole journey because all the surgery I've had, all the near-death experiences I've had, all the admissions I've had, there's an element in me that thinks nobody's going to believe me. And I've actually had to say, like, I am really septic. They're like, your blood test shows you are. We we don't. But because that whole not believe in me, because I don't fit into a box, it has impacted. And I've had to really be aware of it. And I've had to do quite a lot of work on that, in that knowing that, yes, people do believe you. You don't have to double question. You don't have to show all the, your the thermometer, like take a picture of the thermometer right. going, my temperature was really 41. It's like, we know. But because of that past experience yes. that I had and that trauma I had, I guess, you know, through not being believed and being so ill, that then it plays out now. So then I thought, well, actually, what I've been busy with for the last couple of weeks that's preventing me from doing a more timely podcast is all about what matters to people. And that was a bit of a lemon light bulb moment in itself. Because then I realised that really, it always is with whose shoes. What matters to people runs like a stick of rock through all our work, whether or not there's a new hashtag or latest buzzword, if you like. In fact, it's been fascinating to watch over the last 14 years since I originally jumped ship from my day job to set up whose shoes, different campaigns and different keywords coming and going. And it occurs to me, particularly as I get older and a lot of my friends are now retired or retiring, one of the things that matters to me in my work is trying to make the most of what we're already doing, to get people listening to the work we've already done, watching the videos we've already made, indeed listening to the fantastic people who've already contributed to this podcast series rather than always feeling you have to do 
something new. Now you've heard me raving about Fab NHS stuff before. They're brilliant for this. They've set up a Matex Pooshies campaign page for us and they're just always adding to it. For example, we recently ran a Hooshies workshop in Croydon around health inequalities in maternity care and to try and make the ripples spread a bit wider, I made a little film of the session and posted it on YouTube. Then, ping, suddenly the film that we'd made appeared on the Fab NHS Stuff site this week. And then I remembered that the spark for setting up the campaign page came direct from this podcast. In episode 12, I was talking to Dr Terry Porritt, who, together with Roy Lilly, founded the Fab NHS Stuff approach and website, and the idea to set up the Matex Pooshoes campaign page came up live during that conversation. Absolutely, Joe, and I can make you a campaign page. All of this can go in one central place. So all we'd need to do when we want to refer people to this, one page, one campaign page, and they will find everything with this hashtag on that one page. We'll even, we can even sort it. It's so simple to do. Fab NHS stuff is just what it says on the tin. They just want to share the good stuff in a very accessible way. And I love them for that. Look out for this year's Fab Stuff activities, which start on the 5th of July to celebrate the NHS's 74th birthday. I need to make time to contribute to that. We're putting together a video and I'm really proud and privileged to be asked to be part of it. I'm not quite sure what it's about yet, but I know it's going to be fantastic. JFDI. So... Something I'm discovering at the moment, and hopefully which will come through really as part of this podcast, is the power of audio. Indeed, the power of things like this podcast series, and how I can repurpose, to use a bit of management speak that I've learnt recently, clips from existing episodes to bring things alive in a new context, without having to do something totally new, or to have to go back to people and ask them to record something new, when they've already done something brilliant. It's already there. So let's give you a couple more examples from the work I've been doing recently, which is what's been keeping me so busy. I'm doing some truly fascinating work and work I sometimes find difficult. I find myself asking myself, and I know Mr. Hushu's asked me all the time, how it came about that I'm researching triage in maternity care across the whole of London and running a highly interactive five-hour online session trying to simulate a board game experience to bring about positive change. Amazing times we live in when you stop to think. We did actually run an online Who's Shoes workshop for Professor Becky Malby from London Southbank University from a car park in Devon on our way back from holiday recently, but that's another story. So what am I talking about? Well, last week we did a big virtual Who's Shoes workshop with the Clinical Network for Maternity in London, working in partnership with Maternity Voices Partnerships and London Ambulance Service. It's really powerful to hear women's voices direct. It makes an immediacy that doesn't seem to happen in other ways. Interestingly, I'm putting together at the moment a What Matters to You session with Florence Wilcock, for the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists, the RCOG. Florence makes exactly this same point. 
And when I attend our maternity voice partnership, I would hope that I would be listening at level four. My heart and mind are open. I'm thinking of new ideas. It's sparking things in my brain. It's giving me a different future, different outcome from if I had sat and done something on my own. And in my mind, this is where the work I do with Who's Shoes and the board game come into play. The lived experience scenarios and poems can help me move directly to level three and level four, deeper listening, taking me straight to seeing the world through another's eyes, shifting my thinking and having those so-called light bulb moments. Some of the most exciting work we've been doing this year with Who's Shoes is around health inequality in women of different ethnic backgrounds. We've recently held a workshop led by Rosie, a midwife Darcy fellow doing a project in Croydon. And this work is really helping us see our services from the perspective of these women who sometimes feel marginalised or that services don't cater for them. Deep listening to these women and families will help us unpick and perhaps undo some of that inequality within our services. To get healthcare professionals to understand why this is important, as you may know, we use a lot of poems in Who's Shoes. We talked about this in the session we did for Fab NHS stuff last year, our event in a tent. I will share links to the various resources I'm mentioning in the programme notes for this episode. So coming back to our London maternity triage session, one poem that we use a lot in our maternity work is very relevant here. Who will answer the phone? Indeed, an A3 version of this poem is displayed in the triage area of quite a few maternity units across the country. It reminds staff what is important for women and families they are talking to when, as busy healthcare professionals, they answer the phone. Who will answer the phone? This baby is so special, we've waited many years. No one knows the heartbreak, the agony and tears. Hoping each month that this will be the one. Each bloody reminder that another chance had gone. Rounds and rounds of IVF we could ill afford. Such mixed feelings when my frozen eggs were stored. Now, despite all our worries, the nine months have flown. I am in labour. I pick up the phone. What is routine for the healthcare professional is often a really profound and life-changing time in the lives of the people they're dealing with. And what could be more profound or life-changing than having a new baby? In this triage workshop, we were focusing on trying to simplify systems to make them clearer to the people using them. In a nutshell, what do you do at different stages of your maternity journey if you're worried about something? It was a fascinating topic to explore because depending on where you live, how many weeks pregnant you are, what you're worried about and how urgent you and others might perceive it to be, the advice you've been given about who to call, and whether anybody actually answers the phone, and whether, if necessary, there's a translator available, it can all get rather complicated. 
Who should I call? I'm pregnant and sometimes I just don't feel like myself at all. But if I feel really low, who is it I need to call? 111-999, my midwife, my GP. Who is there to support me? Somehow I seem to fall between everyone. Is it maternity related, they ask, as if I am a task, a transaction to be allocated, but I am left feeling frustrated. I am one person, I'm not divided into physical and mental, and now maternity, compartmental, and now two people, now the baby is coming. I really haven't got the energy to call them all. I have two little kids and I end up in A&E. I was just sitting staring and no one knew what to do with me. Let's join things up. Let's show we care. Where should I go? Who will be there? And what if you don't speak English as your first language? These things that are already tricky can become impossible. How do we get people to understand what that might feel like? when people are already finding it difficult to navigate a system. And as I say, we're working closely with the Maternity Voices Partnerships. There are some amazing people leading these groups across London. We put out a call for people to read the Who Will Answer the Phone poem in their native language and ended up sharing a version of the poem which brings in women talking in Spanish, in Tamil and in Swahili. As a bit of a linguist, I think this blended version of the different languages sounds absolutely beautiful, and I hope you do too. But it really got people thinking and understanding in a more profound way. Este bebé es súper especial. Lo hemos estado esperando por muchos años. Nadie sabe lo que hay detrás del desespero, la agonía y las lágrimas. El tener que esperar cada mes a que este sea de verdad el mes. Cada terrible recordatorio de que una oportunidad más se ha ido. Mela Mela IDF, Kastapatu Wangi, Ete Rekmana Unavakal, Ekarmutegla Urishuvachanapo. Licha ya haya yote, miezitisa zimepita. Na ninahisi maumivu ya kuzaa. Hebu ni chukue simu. What richness we have in our communities if we open our eyes and our ears. How best to help people to be interested in what matters to them, to be curious. And that made me think of the conversation that I had with Dr. Fazana Hussein right at the beginning of the podcast series. And Fazana talked so brilliantly about being curious. And it's been one of my favorite clips from the whole series. Yeah, Jill. So, you know, I consider myself a really nosy person and I think that's a real positive <laughs> thing if, you, if you're a GP. Um, you know, I think curiosity is is so important. And, you know, we kind of are born with that, aren't we? I think it gets knocked out of people because if you see little children, they're always curious, aren't they? Going into cupboards, looking at people, they're, they're curious. I think we're born with that ability. And I was noticing with the COVID vaccine, Jill, that again, where I am in Newham, sadly, we had the highest COVID death rates during the first wave. And 
I was noticing very early on in December, only about two, three weeks into the campaign, where at that moment we were still only vaccinating the over 65s and the extremely vulnerable. And in my own practice list, I run a list of 5,000 people, I noticed that uh, the over 65s that had been, only 50% of mine had been, and all the over 65s that had been were Caucasian, and all the over 65s that hadn't been were all either BAME or Eastern European. So it was so, um, it was so striking. And I just thought, I, I wonder what's going on here. And I'm very fortunate, Jill. Um, I, I'm very blessed to be, I've been in my practice for 18 years and uh, I know a lot of them. And um, my, my over 65 numbers are quite small. Like I've got only 200 over 65. So we're talking about 100 people. And I started ringing them. I just thought, just again, out of curiosity, let's ring. And um, it was, uh, you know, various different reasons. I had, a, you know, an African lady who's in her 80s who was concerned about the long-term effects. You know, she was very concerned. And I know her really well, Jill. And I said, well, if you grow a second head in 20 years' time when you're 103, <laughs> I'm not a surgeon, but I'll come and cut it off for you myself. And we, because I know her, we were able to giggle. And her son was also very instrumental. He wanted his mum to have it. So I was having a joke with her. And then I, I lost my own mum, as you know, Jill, uh, when I was 19. And I said to her, my mum would have been just a year older than you now. She's not here. But if she was here, I would want her to have it. And even though you're not my mum, I would want you to have it. Three days later, she had it and she rang us back to say she'd had it that's amazing and and I think that's the I forget how blessed and privileged I am but also what a position what a great privilege and position it is that actually we have so much trust as GPs and I think it's part of our duty so be curious find out what matters to people I guess this has been a bit of a stream of consciousness type podcast I didn't want to miss out this episode as I thought it was important. So I've told you a bit about the things that are keeping me busy. And we've got two more exciting events happening this coming week. I'm really looking forward to our face-to-face Who's Shoes Wellbeing event with Gaynor Armstrong and the maternity team in Coventry. We'll be reflecting with women and families and staff on how things have been for everyone during the pandemic and what we can all do to move forward together. It's really exciting. We've got a rock choir, a virtual reality experience whereby busy healthcare professionals can look after their well-being by having a short time relaxing on the beach. We have chiropractors, hand massage and all sorts. And most importantly, of course, deep conversations, understanding some of the sadness and trauma experienced during the pandemic and moving forward together as human beings. Building the future. A global pandemic. There is no question we were scared. But with fantastic team working, we came together because we cared. In some ways it was refreshing. A weird kind of blessing. We were able to be bold, to ditch things that left us cold. Targets for the sake of targets, counting for the sake of beans, filling endless paperwork like soulless machines. The rapidly changing guidelines, new procedures every day. We tackled huge challenges and always found a way. We surprised ourselves. Responsive and reactive, sharing and learning. A rare chance to be proactive. 
our clinical skills recognised, self-motivated, energised. What is best for this patient, this situation, now? Do you need to take a break? Listening with compassion, feeling valued and cared for, staff and patients, everyone. How did it happen we were so remiss that it took a pandemic to appreciate this? The stifling bureaucracy has lifted, the power has shifted, and if there's one thing we know, we must never let this go. This was one of the poems that we recorded at the height of the pandemic, when optimism that things could change and be a bit more flexible, a bit more human in healthcare, was running high. How does it feel now? Let's hope we can still achieve that. The podcast I recorded as episode five is a whole series of these pandemic poems, if that interests you. We have another innovative virtual Who's Shoes session coming up, working with Fab Sunita Sharma, an obstetrician at FabObs from Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, looking at how to improve things for women in postnatal care and specifically the handover and information sharing between the community midwife, the health visitor and the GP. I love people like Sunita who look outwards and work across services rather than just thinking in terms of their immediate role and working in silos. Sometimes over the years of Who's Shoes, I've found that I've got the least evidence of some of the biggest stuff that I've done because I simply have been too busy to make that video, too busy to make that stellar story or to write that blog. So hopefully the podcast series is filling that gap and providing a lasting record, not least for myself, of some of the things that would otherwise have been lost. Thank you so much for sharing this journey. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform. And please leave a review. I tweet as whose shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And let's hope that together we can make a difference. <laughs>